Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Amen. Well, if, uh, if you got your Bibles, Acts, uh, Acts chapter 12, uh, 6 through 19, we're going we're gonna to jump in in, in, in just, a, just a moment. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was announced that the Canadian government uh, was dropping all but one of the charges against uh, Pastor James Coates. I don't know if, if any of you have been following this story, but uh, Pastor James Coates is, is pastor of Grace Life uh, Church, and he has been locked up in a, uh, he had been locked up in a Canadian jail uh, since mid-February, uh, really for, for doing exactly what, what we're doing now, for, for gathering uh, with the church to uh, worship Jesus, to, uh, to preach the gospel, to mobilize his church, uh, to worship, to serve their, their community, their city. And so Christians all over Canada and even, even beyond into the U.S. and beyond uh, have, been, have been praying for this man and, and really rejoiced at the news of his release. And, and again, saints everywhere, like this became kind of like a, uh, like there was an international spotlight that, that ended up being shown on, on this pastor. And, and so he is, ultimately he's home, uh, he's, he's out of, of jail, and, and while his story was a, was a story of, of release, listen, across the world, um, there's still Christians that are being persecuted and martyred across the globe. Uh, even as our, our kids have been reading Voice of the Martyrs, and uh, we've been listening to our uh, pod, news podcast, Christian news podcast, The World and Everything in It, um, all over the world, there are Christians who are suffering. In Nigeria right now, there are Christians who are suffering. And so uh, as, as we dive in, this morning, here, here's, here's what the question becomes. In the midst of it all, will God's church hold fast to their faith? Will God's church hold fast to their faith? And will we cling to the faithfulness of God? Will we, will we confess like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in Daniel chapter 3? Will we confess, hey, our, our God whom we serve is able. He is absolutely 100% able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't, even if He doesn't, we will not bow. We will not bow the knee to the idols of culture. We, we serve our God alone. We live for Him alone. Amen? And so I would say, Christian, uh, what, what about you? Christian, what about, what about you? Where, where, is, where is your faith right now? We, I feel like this is a question that we've kept circling back to as we've been going through Acts. Where, where is your faith right now? Is it, is it in man? Is it in the, the humanistic solutions of, of man? Or is your faith rooted in the promises of God's Word 
in the faithfulness of God and in the goodness of God. See, this morning, on the heels of, of a pretty tragic story of martyrdom in Acts 12, 1 through 5, with the Apostle James, we're going to see uh, this juxtaposition of there's this story of this miraculous deliverance in Acts 12, 6 through 19. And, and, and I believe that in this, as we have James and Peter side by side, I, I think there is a word for the church that we cannot afford to miss. Church, we've got to keep the faith. We have got to cling to the faith as we stay tethered to the faithfulness of God. So three things that I, I want to look at as we look at verses 6 through 11. The first is this. Uh, recognize, recognize that God is not limited by hopeless. Amen? Recognize that God is not limited by hopeless. I want you to look at your neighbor. Make sure we're fully awake this morning. Uh, make sure you got that tic-tac ready just in case. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, God is not limited. Is not limited. Sweet. All right. Look at your other neighbor and say, God is not limited. Is not limited. Awesome. See, as you look at verses 6, especially 6 through 9, nothing says impossible situation Quite like Peter's imprisonment in Acts 12. See, in verse 6, it, it was, if you look at the text, it was customary for a, 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 a prisoner to be chained uh, to a, a guard, a Roman guard. Uh, Peter was chained both wrists to two guards with an additional two guards, two sentries outside the, the door standing watch. It's widely believed that Peter was, was locked up in Rome's Antonia Fortress. This is the same prison that later would house the Apostle Paul. And verse 6 also reveals that the events of, of, of the event, these events took place the night before. Church family, the night before Herod was going to bring Peter out for public execution. And though the church was gathered, we, we saw this, Matt preached about this last Sunday, though the church was gathered praying earnestly in verse 5, things didn't look too stellar for Peter. And in fact, later in verse 11, it, it, it speaks of all that the Jewish people were expecting. In this statement, that statement in verse 11, it's not qualified by only unbelieving Jews. It's not, it's not qualified to say, oh, this was only the lost Jews. See, the reality is that though the saints were praying, it, many, many within the church were anticipating Peter's martyrdom. They were anticipating, see, they, the, the same result as the Apostle James, especially in the wake of James' execution by the same man, by Herod. And so it's hard to speculate uh, what, what that corporate prayer meeting looked like, or, or even to know the content of, of the prayers that were being prayed. But maybe, perhaps there were some who were holding out for the miracle but no, no doubt, listen, based on the language of the text, it's not a stretch to believe that they were praying uh, that Peter would just stand fast in the face of certain death. God, just help him to remain faithful. Or, or, or maybe they, they were praying for comfort and, and strength. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe they were praying for, for Peter for like a, a witnessing opportunity to uh, the guards or to one of his 
captors. But while, while the prayers were going up, uh, God was sending a messenger down. Amen? While the prayers were going up, a messenger came down. And as you look at verses 7 and 8, there, 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 there's so many things to love about these verses. Uh, first, Pete, Peter is, is out cold. <laughs> like this, this brother is snoozing the night before uh, his execution. And though the, the, the skeptic might look at the Greek word angelos, which just means messenger, as a human messenger, I, I think the, the context of the text uh, clearly demands a messenger of the heavenly variety. And I say that because we see a bright light shining into his jail cell. We see, we see chains that suddenly just miraculously fall to the, gra- ga- the, the ground. Gates that miraculously automatically open on their own. This was clearly divine intervention. And in verse 7, it says the angel struck Peter on his side. Uh, in, in the Greek, uh, this was like not a little like love tap, you know, like you're trying to wake your kids up in the morning, and you're gentle. No, like in the Greek, this is a heavy blow. Like I'm not saying the angel like beat up Peter, uh, but I'm saying uh, th- this was no love tap. He had to smack Peter to get him awake. And he's like, hey, let's go. Let Get dressed, literally in the Greek. Gird up your loins. Peter, get your belt on. Like, let's go. Let's roll. And in verse 9 through 11, we see the seemingly hopeless becomes God's invitation for a supernatural rescue. Amen? We see the seemingly hopeless become God's invitation for a miraculous, for a supernatural rescue. Derek Thomas says it like this. The message of this verse is that it does not matter. It does not matter what our situation may be. However dark and foreboding it is, prison walls, wardens, chains, they are nothing. They are nothing to God. Church, do we, do we believe that? Do you believe that this morning? I read this story of, of a missionary years back. The story was told about John G. Patton, a missionary uh, in the New Hebrides Islands. And the story was told about John Patton and his wife. And it says, hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters intent. These natives were intent on burning, burning his mission to the ground and killing his wife. And the two of them, Patton and his wife, they prayed all night through this long, terror-filled night, asking God to deliver them. And when daylight came, the story says that they were surprised to find that all of their attackers had dispersed. They were gone. And a year later, the chief of the tribe converted to Christ. He converted to Christianity. And Patton had the opportunity to ask him what kept them from burning his house down and killing them. And the chief replied, who were all those men with you? Who were all those men with you? Patton said, the story said, Patton said, there were no men there. It was only my wife and I. The chief said, that they had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. And the chief said it seemed that they circled the entire building, the entire station, and so our tribesmen were afraid to attack. And Patton realized that God 
had miraculously sent a little mini angel army to protect their mission, to protect their place, their their home, uh, as well as he and his wife. Church, God supernaturally, supernaturally rescued Peter that day. And so the question is, what, like, what, what does this mean for us? Like how, how do we, like, how do we apply this? Christian, God is not limited by your hopeless. Amen? I don't know if y'all hear me this morning. God is not limited by your hopeless. Amen? Even in the worst of circumstances, God, God is still sovereign. He, listen, His grace and His faithfulness, they, they do not waver. One of, the more, one of the more frustrating things to observe over this last year of COVID ha, has been the response of, of Christians who, who despair and who lament just like a, a lost world and culture with no hope. And yes, like we've, we've walked through trials. And, and yes, many of us have, have lost loved ones. And yes, like health has failed and marriages have suffered and been on the rocks. And it's, listen, like it has been a, a hard season, but it's never hopeless. It is never hopeless because God sees his children. Amen. God, God hears their prayers. God, God knows our hearts and he knows our needs. And like, I, I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but Christian, he sees you. He sees you. God sees you right now. And he is not limited, no matter the depth or the, the complexity of your circumstances, of what you're walking through, cling to the faith, cling to to your faith because God is faithful. The second thing this morning is as we look at 11 through 17, we've got to remember that, that the rescue is twofold. And I'm going to unpack that in a minute. We've got to remember that the rescue is twofold. I want you to look at your neighbor and say twofold. twofold. Look at your other neighbor and say twofold. twofold. See, a, a faithful Israelite reading uh, Acts 12 wouldn't help but notice the less than subtle connection between uh, this passage and Israel's exodus from Egypt. The bondage of captivity that was broken, <laughs> provisions for the journey, Peter like, get dressed, an angelic guide, and, and in verse in verse 11, when Peter says, his angel rescued me from the hand of Herod, that, that, that Greek word rescue, the word exareo, means to take out, to draw out, or to deliver. Church family, this was a, listen, this was a divine rescue mission accomplished solely by the hand of God. Amen? Like, Peter, just by, by way of reminder, Peter was out. Like, he was snoozing. And again, the end of verse 11 gives us an indication level or an indication of the church's expectation level when it came to Peter's future. See, for many, it was a foregone conclusion that Peter had a date with death. And so as you look at verses 12 through 16, I want you to get this picture. First of all, they were they were at John Mark's house just 
uh, a, a, a refresher if you don't know, John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas. John Mark would later write the Gospel of Mark. This is John Mark who we're going to meet again later in Acts, who went on that first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. And so they're, they're gathered at John Mark's house. And, and sometimes I think that we, we miss... Uh, see, Luke, the author of Acts, sometimes I think we miss when authors are trying to, to interject like comedic relief into a passage. Like, like we read, I think we read the Bible a little too dryly at times. But check this out. You've got a prayer meeting. You've got a prayer meeting where they're praying specifically for Peter. Right? You with me? They're praying specifically for Peter. Uh, You've got a young teenage girl who gets so amped up upon hearing Peter's voice, she leaves him like soon to be the most wanted man in Jerusalem, like out on the street, right? Like just leaves him. He's like, I, man, uh, what, do, what do I do here? In the group of saints inside, they, they tell Rhoda that, that she's like, you're insane. <laughs> like, you're crazy. They're praying for Peter. Peter's here. You're crazy. Not realizing that like, hey, you, you guys can actually conclude the prayer meeting now. Right? Like, prayer meeting over. Answer on the front door, at the front door. Right? Like, God has miraculously moved. All the while, Peter is outside like, hey fam. <laughs> Just like knocking. He's like, I'd love to get off. I'd love to get off the street. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> And then he comes in and literally, they're so, they're so like wired, he has to shush them uh, and then tells of, of the, the, the story of his miraculous rescue. And again, he, he uses this language of, of Exodus where in verse 17 he says, the Lord brought me out, the Lord drew me out of prison. Now an interesting note that, that, that just as an aside, but it's important because it's going to come back and play a factor, especially as we get into Acts 15. Notice Peter tells him to tell these things to James and the brothers. Church, obviously, this is not James, the Apostle James, brother of the Apostle John, who had just been murdered. This is James, the brother of Jesus. And so already this is important because already we see a shift in the leadership of the Jerusalem church. And, and, and by, by Acts 15, it's evident that, that really James, who, who the brother of Jesus, who later would author the, the same biblical book by his name, that bears his name, is, is now, uh, later would be the lead elder over Jerusalem. And it's important because the end of verse 17, it's letting us know that, that at this point, Peter had to bounce. He, he had to get out of Jerusalem due to the threat of persecution. And a lot of people speculate on where Peter went next. But what's certain is that moving forward, his role in the Jerusalem church was diminished as God raised up James and others to lead. It's important. But verse 16, back to the text, says that they, they were amazed. Those that were gathered that day were amazed. Because they had been, they were eyewitnesses of a divine rescue. So, so, so what, is, what does that mean? 
What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you, Christian? It, it, again, it, it means you, you serve a God who is able to deliver. Amen? Like we, we have to guard against this Americanized version of Christianity. This kind of humanistic version of Christianity that... that props up a, a God who forgives sin, uh, but really allows us to sort of live as functional deists. And, and, and meaning, here's, here's what I mean by that. Meaning, we, we, may, we may believe the story of the gospel, but, but we live our lives like it's all on us. We live our lives like it depends on our own strength and our own resolve and our own resources and our own thinking. And, and so when, because it, it, it happens, when we find ourselves in seemingly impossible situations, when we find ourselves in hopeless situations, situations that are completely outside the scope of what we can handle, all of a sudden our unbelief is on full display. Our unbelief is on full display. Listen, we have got to get back to a biblical faith in an omnipotent God. Amen? A God who is sovereign and has all authority and all power over every square inch of His creation. That is our Heavenly Father. This past week... I, on Monday, I, 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 ro I rolled into our staff meeting and, and was showing uh, our, our ministry staff uh, a, a couple of videos of, of Ben, our kindergartner, uh, cruising around on his bicycle. Like uh, he's, he's been working and, and, uh, on riding his bike and he like just he was rocking it over the weekend. He, he was a champ. And, and, and apparently, like, I, I got, like, a little, you know, the, the, the timing was not great because Monday morning I'm showing the videos, and then, and then Monday afternoon he fell and broke his wrist. <laughs> but uh, his cast is uh, bright green, and it's, it's super awesome. He loves it. As much as I love my kids, I'm not all-powerful. And, and, I, and I can't always be there to catch them when they fall, he, even, even though I, like, I so want to. But unlike me, God does have the power. Amen? God is able. But understand this, and this is important. To the extent that he allows his children to fall, and to the, to the extent that he doesn't provide the, the temporal rescue, we, we've got to cling to a couple of truths. There's a couple of things that we, we've got to cling to. First, we trust that in his sovereignty, that there is a reason. Amen? Like we, we trust that in God's sovereignty there is a reason. But second, we cling to this twofold understanding of rescue. See, there is, a, there is an eternal rescue operation that has been realized and accomplished at the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? I need to make sure y'all hear me on that. There is an eternal rescue operation that has been realized and accomplished at the cross of Christ. Amen, church family? 
And then there is the temporal rescue of God where God chooses to intervene in specific circumstances in the lives of his children. And I, and I say that because some of you, man, you're walking through hard things. And like, I'm not downgrading what you're going through. I'm not making light of it. Like, you, but, but listen, even in the midst of those hard things, you've got to remember that God is still in the delivery business. Amen. He is still absolutely in the delivery business. He can rescue. He can restore no matter the circumstances. Church, like, do we believe that? Do we believe it? He can rescue. But understand this. If you are in Christ, the most important rescue has already taken place. The rescue that has removed the sting and the fear of sin and death. See, every rescue beyond that is really just gravy in the life of the Christian. It Every rescue beyond that is just more grace on top of grace on top of grace that, that we don't deserve. And we don't like admitting this, but listen, God, God doesn't owe you the temporal rescue. But you, you believe that He is able. You believe that He is all-powerful. And you praise Him when in His kindness He comes through. Amen? Third thing this morning, and, and this is really just a, a general observation as you examine verses 1 through 19. As you look at 1 through 5 in James' execution, and you look at verses 6 through 19 and Peter's deliverance and the juxtaposition of these two stories right next to one another. Third point I want to make is this, run your race well. Run your race well. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, run your race. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, run your race. <laughs> Here's the question. Why did, why did God take James, but Peter was saved? See, no, no doubt, a praying church lifted up both men. Both men were being lifted up in prayer to God. Like, put yourself in, in the shoes of the early church. These two men were revered and they were respected church leaders. Two men who were pouring their lives out for the sake of the gospel. Why in a span of days would God allow James to be executed while orchestrating Peter's escape? Church fam, I, I think the answer is as simple as this. James kingdom purpose was complete while Peter's kingdom purpose was still unfolding. See, Peter, for Peter, his, his race was not finished. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, while he himself was, was in prison, he wrote this to his disciple in the faith, to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, he said, 
For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. See, Paul knew the reality of Ephesians 2.10. He knew the reality of Ephesians 2.10. See, Christian, God saves you by grace through faith. But he also, the, the scriptures are clear, he also has these works that scripture says that he's prepared beforehand for, from, really from the foundation of the world. He has these works that he wants you to walk in for his glory and for the sake of the gospel. And when those works are finished, when your race is finished, God will bring you home. And that is his prerogative as a sovereign, all-powerful God. The problem is, culturally, when we try to make this earth our heaven, we lose sight of the fact that our citizenship is in a kingdom to come that will be ushered in when Jesus returns and will be ushered in by King Jesus alone. The problem is, we, we, get, we get all entitled with God, like this preacher included. And we, we operate like death is final, even though all of Scripture is pointing us to the reality of this future resurrection. I, I've shared this before, but years ago, when, when, when I was a youth pastor, 15 years ago, uh, the acronym uh, YOLO, you only live once, I think it had reached its like popularity peak. Um, and, and so uh, like you would see it everywhere. And so, of course, like I tried to get our students to, to adopt YOLT. You only live twice um, in light of the future resurrection. Um, but oddly enough, YOLT never took off. Um, and so I, like I, I never trademarked it. So it's still available. Like that's free this morning. If you just want to run with that, YOLT is out there. Um, but in all seriousness, Christian, you don't know when your time is up. So, so whether it's 25 or 85, run your race well. Run your race well. Like, I, I don't know about you, I want to go out like Paul. I want to go out like Paul saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Church, a huge part of keeping the faith entails clinging to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. No matter the circumstances. This week, I, I called my, my, my big sister, my older sister, Christy, lives in Arvada, Colorado, and I, I called her as soon as I heard the news about the shooting, and, I, and, and we were talking, and church fam, the, the, the shooter was from Arvada, lived in the same town where my sister lives, and as we were talking, I just this thought hit me that 10 people walked, 10 people rolled up to that grocery store, store not knowing that, that their, their lives would end that day. 
And so while, while the gun control debate ramps up and, and we, we talk about, we have conversations about guns and mental health and uh, the evil of humanity and the goodness of humanity, like for me, it, it's a good reminder that my faith is not in man. My hope is not in man. My, my hope is not in the goodness of man. And even though like, it absolutely has its place, my ultimate hope is not in the government. My, 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 listen, my faith is in the goodness and faithfulness of a loving God. And if today, if today I drew my last breath, church fam, know that my, my, my hope is in Jesus and He's already secured my rescue. It's done. It's done. Homer Talley is, is a member of Coggan Avenue Baptist Church in, in, in Brownwood, Texas. And Our dear friends, the Skaggs, Tim Skaggs was a pastor there for 13 years. And Homer Talley said this about his son, Officer Eric Talley, who, who lost his life in that shooting. He said this about Talley. He said, Eric loved his family and he loved his Lord Jesus. We'll close with this this morning. Let me close with this. I, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are. And please hear my heart. Like my goal, my goal is not to scare, but to lovingly challenge you to think about your end. Christian, run your race well. When when you stand before the Father, there will be no sweeter words than well done, my good and faithful servant. No sweeter words. Spiritual seeker, or, or, or maybe, like maybe you're not seeking uh, at all. Listen, think, think soberly about the end of your life now. Like you, because you do not know the number of your days. And so here's the call. God in Christ has graciously made a provision for your rescue. If you will believe the gospel, if you will believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your place before him, if you will believe in Christ crucified for your sin, if you will believe in his resurrection and his victory over sin and death, God will rescue you from the penalty of sin and death. He will rescue you from eternal separation from him in Christ. Listen, you can have forgiveness in Christ. You can have abundant life in Christ. You can have hope, real hope and purpose. And in Christ, listen, you can face the hardest, the hardest of life's circumstances and walk in confidence in God's faithfulness and goodness and His love towards you. But Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it like this. 
But if you believe with your heart, I'm going to turn there (laughs) so I get it right. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. With the heart, one believes and is justified. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Romans 10, 13, a little later, Paul says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that means that the ball is in our court. That means that the ball is in your court. Y'all pray with me this morning.